Hey everyone, it's Cam Hurt, host of the Best Show Ever podcast, and we have got a second season coming out very soon that I am very excited about. We've got some very cool special guests, including musical acts that we all love, like Karina Reichman, Daniel Donato, Jake Brownstein from Eggy, Rick and Peter from Goose, and many more. Tune in for new episodes dropping on Osiris Media March 5th on the Best Show Ever podcast. Osiris. Welcome to Wheels Off, a show about the messy reality of the creative life. I'm Rhett Miller. That's when it got wheels off. We started up and we ain't gonna stop. Oh, I sound like you, like it or not. That's when it got wheels off. Nidhi Chanani is a freelance illustrator. She's a cartoonist. She's a writer, a graphic novelist. Um... She joins me and us from her home in the uh, San Francisco Bay Area, and uh, she's she's just so great. It's easy for me to talk to musicians, I guess, because music is what I've devoted my life to specifically. Um, I get nervous when I talk to musicians from other disciplines because they seem so foreign to me. And what I always find is that those disciplines aren't as foreign as I had imagined. So what Nitty does in her graphic novels and in her writing, even in her illustration, is degrees removed from what I do, from what the other Wheels Off guests from the last couple of years do. When we talk about it in this conversation, we make something out of nothing. We try to create something beautiful and give it to the world. And to my mind, and this isn't self-aggrandizing, this is, in this case, Nidhi Chanani aggrandizing, in my mind, that's a pretty noble thing. I mean, it, it makes sense that she was honored by the um, Obama administration in 2012 as a champion of change. It just figures that she has been so well-reviewed and received so many awards and commendations. She's great at what she does, and she does it in a way that feels very intentional and very much for the right reasons and from a positive place. And all of that comes through in this conversation. I'm so glad I got to speak with her, and I'm so glad that you get to hear the fruits of that half hour that we spent together. Please welcome to Wheels Off, Nidhi Chanani. Welcome to Wheels Off, Nidhi Chanani. Thank you so much for joining me. Thanks so much for having me. Um, Congratulations, by the way, on Jukebox. It's fantastic. Thank you. Yeah, it's a labor of love. Four years. <laughs> oh my gosh! And Pashmina took four years too, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. That's, uh, I'm trying to bring that average down. <laughs> At least a year. At least shave off a year. <laughs> you know, you can write a song in like 30 minutes. Maybe you should consider the switch. <laughs> I, I I definitely should. Except uh, I've already tried that. I've tried music. I love music so much, as evidenced by Jukebox. Um, but I. I can't sing and I have no patience for it. Like, I don't know how you guys do it. 
you know, like the actually like building up those calluses on the guitars. And I, I don't know, I just, I feel like for some reason, the patience for drawing worked better for me. It's funny to hear you say you have no patience for it. And yet you're doing a project that takes four years per graphic novel. Right. But I think learning an instrument, getting good at it yes. and getting good at songwriting is such its own I'm sure it's way more than four years that you dedicate to like getting to that space where you're writing something that you're happy with. That's, you know, bringing you the same joy as something that you listen to that, you know, a musician you love makes. So it's funny. I think a lot about a quote I heard attributed to Pablo Picasso when a woman walked up to him in a park and asked in his later years and asked if he would sketch her. And he said, sure. And then he did it and super quick sketch of her. And she said, that's great. How much do I owe you? And he said, like, you know, $70,000. And she said, but that only took you 45 seconds. And he said, no, it took me 77 years. Right. Yeah. So. That's something that artists talk about a lot, right? Is that the idea of how long it takes to be able to do something quickly mm -hmm. is is what you're kind of paying for, but also what you're seeing, what you're witnessing is it seems like a trick of the hand, but only because we've spent so much time training those hands. It's funny. It makes me think of how people always say, oh, so-and-so made it look easy, right? The, probably the people that make it look easy are the people that spent the most time getting there. Right. Yeah, that's so true. Um, so what creative project are you working on at the moment? Probably there's more than one considering all of the freelance work and stuff that you do, but what are you working on right now and how does it light you up? So um, I am actually working on four things uh, and I have <laughs> seven or eight books. I keep losing count because like not all of them are active. Um, and so I will talk around them because I'm actually not allowed to talk about most of them. They haven't been announced, um, but I am working on uh, currently actively like on my screen is um, an early reader graphic novel series, um, which I'm really excited about. Actually, I'm really, I'm typically excited about all the projects that I'm working on. Um, but uh, that one is um, it's like a very new, a lot of the things that I'm doing are kind of new things for me because I haven't done early reader yet and I definitely haven't done a series. So that's a new, um, you know, it's new terrain. And then I'm writing, only writing uh, a comic um, and it's a superhero comic and I'm really excited about it. And I'm also really excited about the idea that somebody else is going to illustrate it, <laughs> um, which is just like a, you know, it's shifting into more of a writer writerly role, but also um, just the idea of being able to kind of hand it off and have that other experience that people who work with me have and seeing what that's like. I think there's a lot of like, and, you know, learning and wonderful um, kind of uh, collaboration that can happen there. And I'm working on um, another picture book and I don't remember what the fourth is. Oh, and then my next middle grade, <laughs> my next middle grade graphic novel, which is, you know, I'm starting it now. So four years from now, you'll be able to <laughs> read it. <laughs> wow, that's, that's a lot. And it's so cool. And one thing that impresses me so much is the idea of the multidisciplined, you know, um, approach that your career is suddenly, not suddenly, but you've been doing both. And now to be able to do two such, you know, seemingly disparate things, that's, that's amazing. 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, it's it's interesting because I definitely was more of a freelance illustrator before my book career started. And I think about it now, I'm still at the start, really. Um, even though I've been doing art for 11 years professionally, it's it's really the beginning of my book career. And it's so nice to be able to say something like, I have seven books on my plate. You know, like that's just, that's a wonder. I feel very grateful for it. And at the same time, I do think that that kind of freelance life and um, that freelance schedule has helped me be able to kind of juggle and manage my time. I also think that people, who pursue art, it seems to me, the artists that I know, if you end up being good at managing your own time, you kind of go into that freelance um, space. And if freelance and, and if managing your time is a challenge, you you kind of go towards like, how can I work for a co- company, you know, that can kind of set my schedule. So I definitely think some of it's personality too. That, boy, I hadn't thought about that. That's such useful advice. But yeah, if you if you're good at being your own boss, you probably want to be your own boss, right? (laughs) Yeah. 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 I mean, I think, I think a lot about self-motivation, right. Um, And how you have to be self-motivated in order to survive as a freelancer and even as a bookmaker, Uh, because as much as I've signed, signed contracts that say I have, you know, this schedule, schedules shift and change constantly on the publisher's end and my end. But at the end of the day, when I wake up in the morning, there's nothing that tells me that I have to go and draw except me. Um, you know, if I want to take the day off or if I want to like only draw a page, which wouldn't really get me that much closer to um, completion, then I can do that. But I have to motivate myself to do so much more than that. Um, and that is a well that, you know, you can kind of constantly have to refill. It seems like you are pretty successful at that self-motivation though, right? You've done a lot. Yeah, I think I think that I am a doer <laughs> um, and I definitely, you know, it's kind of this idea of, um, I feel like the word ambitious has kind of a negative connotation to it. Um, and I like to, to kind of back away from that negative connotation, but I definitely do feel ambitious. There are things that I want to do, stories I want to create. I have ideas all the time, like, you know, 500 kind of starts and stops of things that I want to pursue. And so when I do get the opportunity to, you know, fully realize a story that's been an idea, maybe that's been sitting with me for 10 or 11 years, um, you know, I want to give it all my attention. So that I feel like is its own motivation. It's funny that you point out the sort of thorny nature of the word ambition, because it's something I think about a lot. And it it comes up in these conversations a lot in terms of the word success, which is sort of like the the, the sidecar to the motorcycle of ambition. Right. So um, or maybe success is the I don't know which is the motorcycle. One of them is the motorcycle. (laughs) But it's, it's that idea. Right. That there's there's the icy version of ambition, which is gross. And then there's the the sort of virtuous thing which is inside of you you want to make that like we're only alive for a certain amount of time you know mm-hmm. it's it's so unlikely that we these living organisms can create beauty and release it into the world so like we want to do that and and i love that like you wake up in the morning and you you could do zero you could do mm-hmm. one page but on most days it's, it seems like you're doing work like lots of work and and that's that is success right success isn't the back end success isn't the sales or whatever 
Yeah, yeah, it's true. I mean, I definitely, it's an interesting thing because of course there's like, there's the, the flip side of it, right? Which is like the frustrations of actually doing the work and how people receive the work and and getting to do the work that you want to do and all that kind of, um, I feel, ends up clouding the work itself. And so it's always nice. One of the things, you know, that's been really nice coming back into hanging out with people is um, to reconnect with people and have them reflect that back to you is that, you know, you're so successful because you get to do the work and it's not, you hit the New York times bestseller list. You know, it's not the markers of success that society as a whole deem successful, but it's really just the idea that you're living this life that you get to make art and share it. And that in and of itself is a success. And I try to keep that kind of forefront of the mind um, because it is distracting to, kind of compare yourself or um, use the, I guess, societal, you know, markers um, to kind of bring you down when in reality, just being able to do this. I mean, I think about it, actually, one of the things that as you were talking, I was thinking about is we get to create beauty, right? And for me, I think that the world is so beautiful and nature is so beautiful and our opportunity to create art is I think our attempt to be close to nature. So I love that. Um, you know, anytime you can do that, I mean, why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you? That's so great. <laughs> so how how early did you know this? Was there a moment when you were young when you realized that you were going to be a writer or an illustrator or both? Um, <laughs> did you have an epiphany moment? Um, I did, but it was very old, <laughs> well, very old c- compared to, I think, a lot of people who knew they were going to do this. Um, you know, the idea of, of doing art as a job or writing as a job was so foreign to me. You know, I, I was surrounded by very, very successful um, kind of stereotypical Indian um, professions and pursuits, you know, whether it's Ivy League, doctors, lawyers, um, engineers, that kind of like typical um, community. And so it was in my mid twenties when I first came across an artist that I absolutely loved who was doing it as a job. And it kind of blew my mind, you know, because he was, he, I was, you know, it was blogging was big then. Um, And he wrote in his blog that one of the pieces that he created broke his website. Uh, And, you know, like the, the bandwidth couldn't handle how many people wanted to share it and buy it. And I was like, wait, so he does this for a job. Like, this is his job. Um, and it was at that point, you know, in my mid twenties where I had toyed with art. I had taken, you know, hobby art classes. I had written a few things, um, but I hadn't really pursued it, but it was the idea, just the sheer idea that that could be what I did every day of my life that made me think about, well, what do I need to do to make this my life. And that's when I decided to enroll in art school because, you know, kind of growing up in that um, very studious, very um, regimented environment of how do you get to where you want to go? Well, you study it. Um, And then I went to art school and dropped out (laughs) Um, because I realized that, um, you know, studying is definitely helpful. And I don't, have any bad feelings about the things that I learned and the things that I was exposed to in art school, but it wasn't fast enough for me. I felt like I had missed, you know, all this time. 
Um, and so when I left art school, I just started drawing every single day. Um, and that's how I got better. My God, I love that. I've got a 17 year old son that's uh, looking at colleges right now. And my wife is so mad because I, I was briefly like you, I went to Sarah Lawrence for like a minute, a semester. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, what am I, I could go learn. I could go teach myself and be doing it. Mm-hmm. What am I waiting on? But most people aren't lucky like that. Most people take time to figure it out. It's funny you say that it was so late, but in a way, once you figured it out, there was no lag. Yes. Yeah. So that's something that, you know, kind of other people have pointed out to me, which I find helpful. Um, Cause you know, you don't, you don't, you see yourself so differently than other people do. Right. And I, I, I always thought kind of was so late in figuring it out, but when I did figure it out, I had a lot more clarity because I had had nonprofit jobs. I had been in the work world for a while. And so when I got to art school, I knew I wanted to eventually make children's books. Um, whereas, you know, other people who are in the same program as me, because I actually went in for a second BA. I didn't want to go into a master's program because I was like, I don't really know the basics. So I want to learn the basics. Um, so I ended up being around a lot of people who had just come into art school from high school. And they were like, I don't know what I want to do. I'm going to try this. I'm going to try that. And that's fine. That's a definite. They had the time and the space um, and they were the right age to be in that exploratory place. But I was like, no, I, I'm here. I want to learn light, color, theory, and then I want to make books. Um, so in some ways, you're right. You know, I, I, I got there. I got the skills that I needed and I left. <laughs> um, and, then, and then I really did, you know, kind of pursue books um, with all my energy. So you brought up earlier the idea of, the world puts up all these obstacles, right? And and then we as well, just um, comparison that you mentioned, you know, the the societal markers that we hold ourselves up against and then, and then use to beat ourselves up with or whatever. Um, I just wonder, like for you, because I feel the, the impression I get from your work is that there's so much feeling that goes into it. There's, I mean, it, it feels very, empathetic and it feels very intentional like you're you're really trying to make something that feels real like you're trying to speak on a human level about the tricky things of of life and it just that's not easy and it feels like you really have to put yourself in a vulnerable position to do that and so I wonder like what have you figured out as far as those internally generated obstacles how do you move past those on a daily basis Mm. I um, I keep using this, uh, this sentence, I've been talking about kind of creativity and its challenges a lot with a, a crit group of mine. And um, I don't know if this is the exact answer, but the answer is in the text. Have you ever heard that? Yeah. So I feel like when I feel, feel vulnerable, when I feel insecure, when I doubt myself, when I read a review that I probably shouldn't read, um, you know, and it makes me feel, I mean, it kind of crushes me. I, I know that the way out is through the work. You know, the only way through is to do it. Um, and part of that is that some of the things that people might bring up or some of the feelings that I have, they're valid, right? They're, I, I'm not, so, you know, in love with what I do or who I am to, to think that I'm not making mistakes, that every piece of art is an attempt, 
right? It's not perfect. It's constantly evolving. I'm constantly evolving and I'm learning. And so I take it in, but I don't let it stop me. And I think that's the key, right? Is if I let it stop me, then I'm missing that chance to, to get better, um, to make something new, to find a happy accident. And, you know, I mean, the, the book that I'm current, the series that I'm working was, um, you know, without, I can't get into it. I can't wait to tell the story of the origin of it because it was a request from my daughter. And it was such an out there request where she, she asked me to draw something. I was drawing, um, in my kind of eco awareness, I didn't want to buy plastic bags for her goodie bags for her birthday. And so I bought brown paper lunch sacks, but then I thought these are too plain. I'm going to draw on all 35 of them. That's a good idea. Um, (laughs) And so I was drawing things and she was sitting there and she was giving me ideas. And one of the ideas is now the series that I'm making. Um, And so that if I, if I had stopped, right? I I would never have been able to see this thing that she asked me to make as a whole story. Um, So, you know, I think the answer and the way to solve it, and that's not always the case, right? Sometimes you just have to have those big feelings (laughs) Um, and like sit and go on a walk or go for a swim or do something different to change it up. Um, But more often than not, I do feel like doing the work because the work is, is kind of where it's all quiet right? When you're actually making the work, I'm sure you feel this when you're actually playing the song at the point that you're making the song. That's like kind of this bubble of purity and love and joy. And that, that's what brings you back to it is that feeling, you know? And I love that. And it comes up a lot in these conversations is the idea of, um, it's funny. I used to think, I used to think of it in terms of the work is therapy, which is, Mm. it's true and it's not true. But what comes up more often is this idea that the work is meditation, right? Mm-hmm. Like when you're making it, like even and ironically for me, when I'm writing a song, usually I'm playing through a chord progression or, a, you know, a few, a piece over and over again, maybe two hours, three hours, as loud mm-hmm. as I can. And in the in that time, it's kind of similar to what like in transcendental meditation, they call the unified yes. field. There's no yes. thought. That's mm-hmm. perfect. Yes, that is that is so much of how I describe making art, because, you know, it's interesting in in that most of what I do is solitary. Right. I'm just here in my studio. I I cannot actually draw without music on. It is. So sometimes when I'm I'm like goofing off too much on the Internet and answering too many emails or tweeting too much or whatever it is, like, why haven't I started my day? Why haven't I drawn? And I realized because I don't have music on. And as soon as I put music on, I, I, I really feel like it's it's um it occupies that space of my brain that allows me to be free to roam in that landscape of meditation where the art because I do feel like my brain will distract me and and it is that that um like you're saying that kind of repetition I have I don't have a go-to playlist but it's like kind of all my favorite songs to a certain point that I'm listening to them but I'm also not listening to them that they are enabling me to get into that state that meditative state um that's really wonderful that's it that's a God, that's a wonderful place to be, I bet. 
I wonder if it's like we have multiple minds or levels of our minds and we're mm-hmm. distracting one to free up the other. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's exactly how it works for me. Do you listen to music with lyrics or does it have to be instrumental? Music with lyrics, typically. Um, and then it if I'm in a, a writing phase, uh, it has to be instrumental. Mm-hmm. So um, I, I'll do like movie soundtracks or something, you know, or I just find a playlist and, and put it on. Um, I'm very, I'm like not particular, but if I have a, a music with lyrics on when I'm drawing and let's say I put on a playlist that isn't curated for me and it, and it's like lyrics that are distracting or something that's, I don't know, some new song that's very catchy or any one of those things, it'll completely take me out. So it can also work um, against me. So it has to be kind of like things that are familiar to the point that I'm not called out of what I'm doing into the music. So It's um, Michael Shabon, the former Wheels Off guest, also Northern California resident, Michael Shabon. Yeah. Um, has curated a bunch of really great Spotify playlists that I would recommend. Okay, so, I'll have to check those out. Uh, some really good instrumental stuff too. So, because it's kind of, sometimes it's hard to find. Like a, some movie soundtracks are great. And then sometimes you're just like, am I watching? What you know, It can be really corny or like it'll hit a moment where yes. you're like, yeah. And, and, and then, um, well, my husband's like really great at recommending things. And so, uh, there's, I listen to Ginger Shankar and Vijay Iyer. Um, they have some really great tracks that are wonderful to put in the background, but also if there's too beautiful, I get super distracted. Um, and then I just want to stop and listen to the music. So it's kind of that figuring out that balance. Um, and he's made some really great suggestions on instrumental world music. Um, and I love, love that um, because it, it also puts me, it's not just that meditative space, but also kind of brings me out in, in this way where I feel um, present in my art, but also I feel very connected. I don't know how to describe it. Actually, I'm feeling like a loss for words, but actually what it is, is that the right music can be meditative and inspirational. I love that. Yeah. Well, I'm, if it's all right, I might hit you up after for a, like a, some suggestions and I can append them to the, um, the wheels off podcast and because it sounds like your husband is very cool has excellent musical taste yes he does yes, i'm laughing because thing. nitty told me before the interview that he likes the old 97 <laughs> yes yes he does he loves you guys so Aww. um yeah i mean i i got introduced to a lot of the music that i love through him and vice versa you know we have different tastes um but we're doing this fun thing right now just as an aside uh because he goes through these um, phases where he's collecting different records. And so right now he's in a hip hop phase. And so I was like, okay, I want to go to like Nick school. So when you get a new record in, um, and I, I have total veto power, by the way, like if he tells me about it or he plays a track and I'm like, okay, it's giving me a headache or that's not my mood. That's fine. We can move on to the next one. Cause he's getting records constantly, but then he tells me a little bit about the artist. And so, um, we were listening to 
Das Effects uh, recently and that kind of their first album and then learning about them. And, and it's just, it's so wonderful. You know, I mean, I, I have this kind of like encyclopedia living with me um, and it's wonderful to discover new music. So that's, uh, that's been really fun. How much of an influence did he have on Jukebox, the story and the characters in that, the your newest graphic novel? I mean, a hundred percent. He helped me like, you know, with like figuring out some scenes in there. Uh, you know, he's very active in, in generally every book that I'm making, but Jukebox was completely and totally inspired by the fact that, you know, he collects vinyl. We talked about jukeboxes. Um, the, the kind of core idea of a magical jukebox came from a conversation we were having. And some of the points in history that um, Shahi and Nas go back to, uh, you know, I really wanted to explore that idea of how music and politics and history are tied together. You know, they're all, it's like this, it's just, I feel like it's, um, it's something that's often not talked about is how music impacts history and vice versa. And so that idea is really appealing to me. And so, I mean, I, I feel like I'm very much a baby in terms of uh, understanding American music um, and he knows so much more. So he was just this wonderful resource um, and wealth of knowledge and all the conversations we had influenced conversations that take place in the book. Ah, oh, it's so great. And it's, it was such a great um, you know, idea for the story that's, I mean, I don't want to give away too much about what happens in it, but it's, it's really beautiful. And I, I think it, 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 um, it is a very sweet sort of homage to music as more than background noise. And, you know, as sort of a um, engine for cultural change. And I thought that was so cool that you did that. Thank you. Yeah. And I feel like, uh, I'm hoping, you know, at the at the very base of, you know, what you do, I think, when you make books for kids is that inspires them to maybe look something up or expose them to something new, um, give them a new idea. And so, you know, at putting those um, kind of influential musicians in there and, and really understanding that impact, um, I hope it, you know, sparks some curiosity. Um, so speaking of younger versions of us, is there... Um... If you were to go back and, uh, well, no, not go back, sorry. If there was a 21-year-old version of you mm-hmm. and you were to run into her today uh, in this modern world with all of its great things and um, problems, what advice might you give 21-year-old version of Nitty? Oh, that is a really hard question. Um, wow. I don't know. I really, you know... I guess the thing that I come back to a lot is um, without getting into any specifics, my life is incredibly challenging. Um, I had a lot that I had to overcome in my life that was outside of me. I had no control over. Um, So I guess if I saw myself at 21, I would just say it gets better. I I wouldn't necessarily give myself advice. I, I would just say, it gets better because I think that when you're in a place where it feels life feels really overwhelming and um, you weren't given the chance to build the skills to succeed in the idea of success that we are talking about. um, It can feel like life will always be that way. 
Um, and I think that's what I would say. I wouldn't necessarily say do this or do that. Yeah. Oh, I feel like that's so great and it's so useful. And in the end, that's probably the best advice anybody could could get <laughs> because it is hard when you're young. I mean, I've got a 15 and a 17 year old upstairs and um, and it's, I just remember, you know, and it's so hard. And while you're going through it, it seems like it's never going to end, like you said. But that's good. Yeah. I, I hope everyone listening really hears that because I, I second your advice. That's, it does get better. This all, this too shall pass. I whispered that into my son's ear two nights ago. This too shall pass. Oh. Maybe I'm so grateful for this time. Thank you so much. I, I'm, I love your work and I love your work ethic and I love the way you approach creativity. And thank you so much for being a part of this conversation. Thank you so much for having me. And thank you for all your music. <laughs> Thanks. And tell Nick I said hi and I'm going to hit you up for a playlist. And um, <laughs> I can't wait to come through San Francisco and say hi to you guys in real life. That would be wonderful. Excellent. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Thank you so much for listening to Wheels Off. Please be sure to rate and review the show on iTunes. That helps us appear higher in the search results and lets other folks know that it's a cool podcast to listen to. Also, as the kids say, don't forget to subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or anywhere else that you listen to shows like this so that you never miss an episode. This has been Wheels Off, and I'm Rhett Miller, encouraging you to create every day. Thanks, y'all. Hey there, I'm Johnny Christ from Avenge Sevenfold, and I've got a podcast called Drinks with Johnny you're going to want to check out. I sit down with a bunch of different people from all different walks of life, from professional wrestlers to actors, comedians, fighters, musicians, everything in between. I'm just looking to make some friends and have a good time doing it. So if that sounds like something you're into, go check out Drinks with Johnny, streaming everywhere now.